So I'll start with my current opinion, uh, which is subject to change, is that Web3 is bullshit. Mm, this is going to be a good episode then. Okay. Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history, life, and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted Conversation. Season two, baby. <laughs> season two of kind season of. one. We, uh, <laughs> we made it a whole... Made it to the new year without without missing a single week. Don't let anyone I, tell you differently. <laughs> we have a huge backlog of episodes, just massive backlog with tons of if ideas. Yeah, and we made it a full calendar year. We did in some in some in some measures. If you guys just aren't seeing the <laughs> weekly episodes, you might need want to call like Apple Podcasts, uh, call support, see why their RSS feed isn't isn't updating uh but yeah it's totally yeah, a podcast on, fault i mean yeah we're on time every week without a doubt i was just looking march 8th we gotta we gotta put that on the calendar oh march 8th you're gonna be in seattle really is that what that's insane this? i'm actually yeah well that's that's the first day it was uploaded march 8th 2021 wow as, as you all know all of our faithful listeners, we have parted ways to halfway across the country. Um, I'm in Seattle. Jared's back in Nebraska, but he's coming out here to, I assume, say hey to the team, but also hopefully say hi to me if I'm lucky enough. Um, but we might, it might have to result in an in-person pod at my apartment. That'd be insane. I think, I think that that will, that's a necessity for the, the one year anniversary podcast, the one year <laughs> um, Seattle special. Wow. That's what it will be. Wow. Yeah. I mean, all, it, it, all the it, things it, that make Seattle the city special. That's true. It, in one big pod, we can celebrate one year. We can celebrate those billions of listeners. Once that milestone that we hit, I mean, it's coming. It's a hockey stick growth whenever we look at the stats. So <laughs> it, um, the billionth listener is, is on is on lock. But uh, Luke, before we actually like get started with the podcast, I have news. No. Oh. Because there's been a, a change in my setup. Oh. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I'm not recording of the computer variety of the, I'm not recording on my old XPS 15 Luke. Instead, I ha- I'm recording on a different machine. I'm recording on a brand new refurbished XPS 15. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So you did the warranty, huh? I finally got dell to replace my computer and i'm sitting here just as happy as as one could be with a brand new intel uh xps 15 and let me tell you even though i still yearn at night for an m1 macbook pro it you should is so much better than my previous machine i don't know if you like heard the full saga do you remember when my trackpad was going crazy? <laughs> I so know you like, had crazy so, problems, but that's like, I just know the story of crazy problems. Like that's kind of where it stops for me. Just a quick recap for all the listeners who weren't following along. <laughs> my, <laughs> I bought this laptop a year and a half ago for, you know, 2000 some dollars. It was not a cheap machine. Then like right after warranty got out, there was a bunch of problems in warranty. The, the fit was bad. The screen was warped, blah, 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 blah. Right after warranty, the trackpad starts going wonky. No gestures work. You can't scroll with the trackpad. You can only like point oh, and click like it's freaking 2003. Then a couple months ago, the trackpad just completely stops working. There's no trackpad, no touchscreen. I'm using a computer only with the keyboard. And it's like, <laughs> it's a very expensive laptop. So I buy one month of warranty. And essentially, I'm just like, replace my machine, please. And they'll say, we'll replace the keyboard and trackpad. But the next available parts are is like April 10th. 
And I did this like oh, back geez. in December. Yeah. So they were like, an alternative option, if you're interested, is we'll just replace your machine with a refurbished <laughs> one. And I was like, thank like, God. Hmm. Like, that's all I've wanted, like, for the past year and a half. And so, yes, I finally have a brand new computer. And wow. I'm, you know, I'm glad that I was able to hype you up in that way mm. to, um, mm. for the big reveal. But um, I'm, I'm much happier in my technology life than I was in the past, even though uh, there's still room for improvement maybe when we, uh, we get that stock coming in. I was going to say I'm happy for you, but I'm sad for you. But I'm happy for you. <laughs> I yeah, I thought thought that was the I thought you're gonna just show where we're FaceTiming as we do the pod. Um, I thought you're gonna really just like whip out this you know 16 inch MacBook Pro uh, M1 right in front of me, but um, alas, it's just a, a measly little XPS. But <laughs> well, well, glad it's, it's fixed. Uh, yeah, you've you've been through hell and back with that machine, but I, I'm telling you, what what would not you wouldn't have had those issues if you uh, if you jumped the fence, which is crazy for me to say considering my employer. Um, might uh <laughs> be more vested interest in the computer you have versus the computer i, I have i don't know what panos Panay would think about what you're saying right now luke <laughs> well he is one of our avid listeners so hopefully he skipped uh past um that that part right there some great ces announcements i will say i will say true true but uh you have you have the topic this week don't you i do have the topic this week i've deliberated long and hard for days um if not Days, minutes, hours, minutes, yeah, minutes, moments, seconds, even <laughs> moments, <laughs> moments before the podcast, perhaps um, <laughs> about today's topic. Uh, I have a problem. Well, first off, I have a terrible memory. So, um, you know, hence why I've asked you about British royalty like six times at the very end <laughs> of our same thing. I wanted to talk about the metaverse and like 80 percent chance that we'd already talked about it before. So quick little pivot that I wanted to. I'm not really sure where this is going to go, but um, back in my my college days, uh, I was a big marketing guy. I, uh, huge was our, he was the biggest marketing guy. Uh, one could say I, I was a declared marketing major until the last semester of my senior year. Um, so therefore I'm not a marketing major, but very interesting. Uh, love branding, love marketing was a, was a marketing teaching assistant for one of our classes. And one thing that's really caught my attention in the realm of branding, which is going to be today's topic. is just like brands in general, we can start with consumer brands. We can go wherever it takes us is have you heard of the brand liquid death uh i just heard about it uh yesterday on uh on robin hood snacks and i'm guessing ah. you might have heard on heard about it in the same place oh yeah this is this is uh this is where we're going with it is so yeah it um i had met liquid death the brand for the first time when i went to a music festival a couple months ago and obviously when you go to a music festival there's booze galore right like that's the purpose is that you go there they hike up the prices and you get these tall boy drinks and whatever but then the water like you know obviously when you buy so i'll way back up is so you go to these booths tons of booze beer, seltzers, whatever. But in the water options, you would think there's just like a Dasani bottle of water, right? Well, there's this brand called Liquid Death that the purpose is it's like murder your thirst is like the the catch slogan, but it looks like a rage and IPA. But essentially what it is, is it's just like canned water. Like that's all it is. It's just, it's water in an aluminum can that they sell for like four bucks and at the festival it was like $9. But the crazy thing that they talked about in the podcast um, was like, in the span of a year, they went from like $3 million in sales, to like what they say, like 50 million bucks in sales on water, like on a pure commodity. So it's like, it's crazy how like brands can like elevate things from, you know, commodities. And it's crazy how, um, you know, I guess regardless of what it is, how brand can dictate what the product is. And so to kind of correlate this to the fact that I wanted to talk to them about the metaverse a little bit, even if we talked about it, I did a little segue. It is so interesting about the fact that regardless of the fact that Meta, aka Facebook, rebranded from Facebook to Meta, like they're always going to have the stain of just like this consumer vision and this consumer assumption that like they're preying on your data and like bad privacy, right? And so like it's it's it I guess what I wanted to talk about was just like this notion around when you think about we were talking about web three, we're talking about metaverse. Like it's super interesting how 
when you think about interoperability, if you're familiar with like that concept in Web3 and like blockchain and stuff where like it's built on the same chain and regardless of where you go, it's going to be the same experience. If you're familiar with like listeners or you or whatever with that concept, it's like when you have something that is so decentralized, it's like bumping around, but when you have something that's so decentralized and like the commodity, so to speak, which is like the blockchain or which is like the metaverse, which ideally is like, you know, the infrastructure is decentralized. The infrastructure is all the same. The layer that you have on top of it is just branding, right? Like not that maybe blockchain is a commodity, but like to say, it's this idea that regardless of where you are in the metaverse, regardless of where you are in web three, like your wallet and like your own ownership, your tokens are going to go from place to place. And so it's like, whether it's meta, whether it's whatever brand's going to pop up, whether it's literally Twitter, I don't, whatever it is, it's like the, the groundwork, the, your wallet, the, this notion around like everything that you own is going to be the same transported from place to place. Like the only thing that differentiates the platforms in this new realm of web three and the metaverse is, is branding. So I guess my question for you is like, do you have any thoughts on what I like, do you have any opposition to what I just said, but then B like when, when you think about again, like this transition into where we're going with web three, ideally, and maybe we can even talk about like, if we do think it's a transition into the world of web three, like, do you see the need for, like, do you think that like public opinion and brand is like what differentiates, I guess, good products and like, you know, the, the products that stay forever and ever, or do you think that it's just about like the best tech? Cause I guess in the web two world, it's like the best tech wins, right? Like, um, you know, if you have a better algorithm, if you have a better, um, better technology, like you basically went out, but then it's like, again, when you get to this world of web three, it's like, well, it's all the same technology. Like, it's all like the same, like underlying systems. So what's going to differentiate you? So I just want to get your, your gut reaction on any of that word vomit. So I'll start with my current opinion, uh, which is subject to change is that web three is bullshit. Mm, this uh, is going to be a good episode then. Okay. So and he, I'll start with this. What is HTTP? HTTP is the common interface which connects the web. And what is the web? The web is a decentralized set of servers which share information. So why do, why do I say that? Web, the current web, I don't even want to call it web too. I don't like that. Like <laughs> the current global connected network, I guess is the way to say it, is a decentralized network built on similar technology. And so I would argue that the biggest differentiator, you know, you say like who has the best algorithm, they're going to win this in, in web two, you say. It's just the exact same thing in web three. Sure, it's built on the blockchain instead of more typical HTTP, but of course, blockchain is also built on HTTP in most cases. You know, you're, you're built on these slightly new technologies in the same way that almost the whole internet is built on like Linux servers and queues and SQL databases for storing information. Now we're storing those in tokens and, um, uh, you know, uh, what do you? not Bitcoin, you know, like crypto transaction type mm -hmm. business to make it all, you know, kind of non-fungible. But in the end, whoever has the best algorithm, the best hashing algorithm for uh, doing those transactions quickly, whoever has the best, um, you know, metaverse, I guess if you want to call it like VR or AR environment to live in, the best art designers, the best um, this or that, they're going to win. But more than that, you know, so that's kind of where I'm saying, like, it's the same, you know, better technology can still win out. Um, I don't think it's just branding. But I'd also like to circle back and say, branding is the biggest differentiator on the current web, right? You know, you think like, what is the reason that you're going to use Google Docs versus Microsoft Word? I mean, in, in the very beginning, Google Docs was just better for collaboration. Right now, I mean, they're both really pretty good. Like the technology is pretty mm -hmm. similar. But the Google has such a strong brand that you're attached to, 
I'm already using this. Or Microsoft, similarly, especially for business, has such a strong brand that you're getting sucked into their quote-unquote Web2 metaverse that exists, right? They're, they're 2D in the browser metaverse. And I think that the only thing that the metaverse or you know Web3 or whatever you want to call it is doing is it's just adding a third dimension to the current web in a way that, in my personal opinion, just, you know, it doesn't change anything necessarily. Like, if I put on a headset and I go and I buy something from Amazon, or if I buy something from, I buy a token for my character, my my person, I mean, is that functionally and logically any different than me pulling up an app or going to a website and buying the same token? Like, the the economic transaction is the same. Whether that's I'm doing that on my web on my phone, whether I'm um, going in a browser, whether I'm going in VR, whether I'm going in AR, heck, even necessarily whether if I, you know, call an automated server and speak my credit card number into this computer, which then puts it through a web transaction. My opinion essentially is just all like Web three is like bullshit in the way it's being marketed. Like, it is a new space in the internet that is offering economic opportunity, but it's not a replacement for the internet. It's not anything fundamentally different in my viewpoint. In in my way, I see it as though a lot of large tech companies are grasping at straws for some new marketing, branding um, exercise Mm -hmm. to, because they don't, because they haven't figured out what AR and VR is actually good for yet. It hasn't, it's not mature enough. So they're, they're all gung ho on this in the same way that like the PC industry was gung ho on tablets and the whole, and then the whole like computer industry, the technology industry was gung ho on tablets in the early two thousands after the iPad seeing they're going to take over the world. There's not going to be any PC, you know, laptops left. Everything's going to be tablets. It's the new computing interface. And it wasn't like they just, they didn't understand what they were good for yet, which is essentially reading eBooks and watching videos. And so I think it's a similar time here where everyone wants the next big thing and they're all kind of just like, hey, let's just agree that this is the next big thing. And that's where I'm at. I don't know if you have disagreements with everything I just spewed out, but that's that that's my nearly completely opposing opinion to what you just started the podcast with. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that's, that's actually, that's so good to hear. I mean, like, yeah, that's just hilarious. I guess it's like, I come out swinging of just like, yeah, like here's like my like 10 facts. And you're like, Hey, like I disagree with all the, like, those are not facts. Those are like your opinion. Like, it's just, it's a nice reminder that like, you know, not, it's easy to sit on Twitter and just like think that like web three is the future. Right. Cause that's what everyone's saying, but it's just like, yeah, taking a step back. I mean, those are all good points. Like I, I don't disagree with any of that. And I think the, to like another, like adding point on to like your argument is like everyone says the future is a center. The future is decentralization, right? Like the idea behind, you know, these like underlying chains, these underlying technologies that help decentralize, but like our gut and like where everything's going is like open sea Coinbase. Like we're, like we're descent, we're centralizing, right? Like, and whether it's like in the nature of just being able to ease more easily access the things, it's like, it's decentralized, huge air quotes, but like, I'm still going to open C to access my, you know, like wallet of NFTs. I'm still going to Coinbase to make these transactions, which like technically is just an extraction on top of whatever chain. But at the end of the day, it's still centralized. Yeah. I'd like, like to anyone who says like, um, like blockchain based solutions are completely decentralized. Like there, there are some that are more than others, but like, I just like to ask like, who's doing all the mining? Like who, who's like making this possible? It's not every person has equal stake. There are firms that are dedicated to it. There's a reason you can't buy any GPUs because, you know, crypto miners are buying them all up, putting them in large farms and pulling in a lot of the profits. And they're also, large firms now that are entering into the space and are going to, you know, my opinion, this is not, you know, don't quote me in any way, but like, or do if I'm right, I guess. Large firms are entering into the space. They're going to take it over the same way they took over the decentralized original internet. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, these large companies are not just going to be like, oh, it's decentralized. Like all of a sudden Mark Zuckerberg is like, we can't fight that. Like, 
go and have your utopia web three like zuckerberg um satya well i don't forgot who the amazon's current ceo is they're just going to take it over because you know they have the power to um google will do the same thing they'll all enter their spaces and they'll just expand into this new um this new niche uh corner of the internet in my opinion so yeah mm-hmm. tweet at me if you disagree good luck, good luck finding my account <laughs> That's right. Yeah. At Jared. <laughs> yeah. No, I think one more, one more like, uh, thought to tack on to your argument before I offer some, um, other side of the coins <laughs> is, um, Oh shit. What I was going to say. Oh, it's terrible. What were we just talking about? Amazon. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> so we're talking about how like, yeah, it's like this decentralized under like this decentralized infrastructure but like our like tendency so far to see things centralized i think like a big example that's been going around the internet recently is like um on OpenSea. you know there's like there's a bunch of nfts and one of the most popular nft projects is bored apes recently there was like i i personally don't know i mostly had line read but it's like there was some like fishy activity or like somebody stole like a board ape or something point is is that on that nft so like on that token OpenSea put a disclaimer that says like so some 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 suspicious activity is linked to like this item so it's like if it's decentralized like great like first off it's awesome like it's awesome to have that consumer protection and like it's great and whatever but like that goes extremely and specifically against the pitch of web three of just like, you know, there is a middleman platform, IE OpenSea, who has made the determination that this thing might be suspicious activity, which then like, like imposes an opinion on its users, which like, again, is like the purpose against decentralization. It's like, you can do that and like tough shit. Like, you know, you execute the contract. It is what it is. Like, you know, like there's no middleman in anything because that's the purpose of Web3. So I, I thought that was like an interesting note that you brought up too um, about that whole, that, you know, it's like the whole Robin Hood thing, right? It's like they put a stop on on GameStop and everyone's like, you know, harking at the middleman. And it's like, ah, like screw the middleman and screw um, payment by overflow and all that stuff. But it's like, you know, you can basically see the same thing just in different ways um, uh-huh. and everything from, yeah, in Web3. But I don't know if you rebuttal to that before I have some some other thoughts going back to our first. Uh, I, I mean, I'd like to hear other thoughts. Like the one thing I'd just like to say is like it's sim- like the the completely decentralized anything like doesn't isn't necessarily a good thing. Like it's kind of like you the classic r- retort to like a pure libertarian argument is like or anarchist argument is like if there's absolutely no order or central control then the most powerful players just have the control. So, like, mm. you know, that's just the situation, kind of what I'd like to re- just throw out there. But I, I want to hear your retorts because I, I don't want to only be talking my side of the side of the coin the whole the whole podcast. No, yeah, it's good to explore. I the 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 first notion I wanted to talk about, and I and I sprinkled it in in my word vomit at the start of the episode was interoperability. So for, for, for listeners, um, I, this is like my current novice understanding of interoperability is like this notion that regardless of where you go, you can bring with what you have. So like, you know, obviously like when you, you own your house and you have your billfold and when you go to Walmart, you can bring that same billfold and you can pay with your chase card and then you can go to the Walgreens and you can use the same thing. Right. But it's like the example of NBA 2K the basketball game, you know, there's, when you play more, you get this virtual currency. And once you get this virtual currency, you have enough tokens and these tokens that you can then use to buy a sweet hat for your, uh, for your, my player. But then if I wanted to play NBA 2k 15 instead of 2k 18, like a different game, same system, everything's void. Like you can't, you can't, trade you can't take what you did in the last version game into our new game or even the taking the leap if i wanted to go from nba to an nfl game like i can't take my special colors or my special hat from the nba game to go to the nfl game right so this is a novice example and as far as like sure who cares about like being able to trade hats between video games but i think one interesting example was what you said about google docs versus microsoft word like you're right like branding and or just like this feeling of Google seamless collaboration is great. And maybe Microsoft word might've had this, you know, history of 
being a you know very buggy app that crashed a lot and it's there was no form of you know of, of collaboration a couple years ago but again the point of web3 or the ideological point of web3 is like you wouldn't have to make that decision like your docs would be everywhere regardless of if you use google docs word docs like it's it'd be in your wallet it'd be like in your like doc part of your wallets and then you got to decide okay which feature set do i like better okay what ui do i like better what experience do i like better what like what has certain tools that are pertaining to my exact use case because ideally again in the underlying file system so to speak and again this is all ideological nobody's done this yet and it might not even be executing this way and it might not even be this way in real life this is just my current understanding of it it's like you wouldn't have to make the decision because if i wanted to go from my microsoft if i want to go from OneDrive to drive I mean, I'd have to download everything, import everything, port everything over. Not everything would like not, you know, Microsoft Word kind of works in Google Docs, but like not really versus like, yeah, this notion about it doesn't really matter which I use. It's a tool that I get to decide, but like the underlying file is the same. So there's like a million examples of that. And we can definitely dive into some other like thoughts I have on it. But I'm, I'm curious, like, does that like, do you feel so going back to the original pitch of if in if it were that the underlying infrastructure is the same. The underlying file structure is the same. And like, how do you choose between Google Docs and Microsoft Word? Do you like, like what would be a driving factor? And, or do you like, just think that that's like, that pitch is just so utopian that it's not even, uh, not even ever, we're not even ever see that reality. So I do want to eventually get around to the, the branding question. Cause I know that, that that's what you want the podcast to be about, but I just, hey, I, I just, just want this podcast it. to be about two guys just chit chatting about Web three. That's what I want this podcast <laughs> two, to be like. Two guys in Web three. It's, it's a lot like two guys in Web two. So <laughs> interoperability, <laughs> interoperability. This is this is a great another really common argument for for like Web three and like the metaverse, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it breaks down the minute you think about it because. Mm. <laughs> You you gave the I, the the example of like NBA 2K, which is like a good example. Of like in video games, you'll be able to bring content you buy with, you know, a general currency that's accepted everywhere, and you'll be able to bring it between games. Okay, so there's there's like a couple pieces to that, right? First, you have a generalized currency that's accepted everywhere, or essentially everywhere. You have the ability to buy items in different games. And then you have the ability to use those items that you bought um, in multiple games. So what do we have available in Web 2? We have a generalized currency that's you know widely accepted, and that's the United States dollar or like the euro or like Chinese yen. You have the ability to buy items. You don't have the ability to transfer them between games. So my question is that, that I'd like you to ponder is, why don't we have that ability? Is that something that's fundamentally not possible using Web2 technologies, like, like shared, like a, every person has a bag, which is you're able to access in different games and get your items? Or is the reason you can't use your NBA you know, 2K18 items and NBA 2K20 is because uh, you know, EA Sports would prefer it if you rebought items because that's going to be better for their bottom line. So I guess what do you like? Do you really think there's any fundamental difference? Like, like that's that's my pushback. Is like the reason there's not interoperability is because why? Why? Why would a company want to be interoperable? Like, there is a file format called OpenDoc, which is a common format, which is meant for like to be exactly what you described. But Google Docs doesn't use it and Microsoft doesn't use it because they want to do their own proprietary things. And my, my viewpoint is on Web3, the same thing's going to happen. It's just that you're going to store Google Doc in, a, in the blockchain. And beyond that, it's going to be the exact same. Like terms of like everyone wants like their own, every company wants, their, wants to put their own competitive advantage, right? Otherwise, there's no, mm-hmm. the only advantage is branding. But I don't think that companies would ever allow that to happen, if that makes sense. I don't know if you have thoughts. You know, further thoughts on that. I I, I don't I don't want to like destroy you know no, this is great. <laughs> destroy all, all your all your argue, you're like I'm not destroying them necessarily. I, I just uh, I have a strong viewpoint opposing. <laughs> so 
Yeah. And I mean, like, like I said, like, that's the purpose of the podcast is like to just fumble. I mean, like the reason that I wanted to start the podcast, like almost a year ago now. And like, I mean, obviously for a, just us to chit chat, but B just for us to get better at just like, or for at least me to get better. I just like fumbling through ideas, thinking out loud, like hearing like differing thoughts. Like that is like the purpose of this. And it's so easy just to sit in the echo chamber of Twitter or wherever of, you know, just like feeding through and, you know, like, deep diving into concepts that I think are fascinating, convincing yourself that it's the next wave. Like, so hearing the discerning opinions is like, you know, it's super, it's super fascinating. I I, I will say like the, the, the point you made on, you know, if you can take this item between the 19 version versus the 20 version, you're right. Like it, the motivation is probably so that you can, you know, just rebuy everything and whatever. But like, I think another maybe, and, and you can you could take this a million ways, right? Like there's, I think there's always counter arguments to it, but it's like, you know, but imagine it's a, a world where between EA Sports, they own the franchise of basketball, they own the FIFA franchise, they own the football franchise, they own the baseball franchise, and then you buy something in the baseball franchise and then that gives you the option to do something in the football franchise. And all of a sudden it's just like, I, that's why it's like, it's, it's interesting. And this is like kind of why about the whole branding thing, it's like to go back to it, so in that video game example, you're right. Like, why would EA Sports want to build a platform or build on a platform to where when I buy this T-shirt, I can also use it in my 2K Sports, a different company. You know, there's 2K Sports is a company, EA Sports is a company, it's a billion other companies. Like, why would I want to support the option for them to take everything that they earn in this game and use that to enjoy this other game and this new option? But like, I think where it comes, like where it gets really interesting and again like you're like why can't they do this today i don't know they probably could i mean it's ea sports they can do whatever but it's like the 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 concept i think would be just around the fact that like maybe let's let me let me maybe take a step back you talked about open doc and this is maybe a better where i'm trying to get at is open docs an open source project i assume it's some Mm -hmm. some open source project and you're right it's like the competitive advantage that you know, Google, Microsoft has built, it's like, why would they port over what they're doing to, yeah, to where if someday all of a sudden Google Docs just like crops up a brand new feature, then damn, like they're gonna take all my stuff and go over there. Like, you're right. But I think that's like, and this is gonna sound maybe a little silly, but like, I think it's like a very like web two point of view is like <laughs> this like concept of like, you know, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna take what I have and I'm gonna protect it so that my users don't jump ship anywhere else. But I think it's the interesting thing about web three and whether or not it takes off, I think where I'm getting with all this is like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm really bullish on that. I'm just, it's more just like the arguments. It's like mm-hmm. the concept is that it's not, let's build this thing and then, Oh, let's pour it over to something that is, you know, more interoperable, i.e. let me build this mobile app and then I'll build an API to interface with other things. Or like, you know, I'll, I'll build this thing first, then I'll build an SDK so I can get money. And then other people can use like, it's the idea that like, it is built on the common platform. It's not I'm going to build it in isolation and then figure out how it communicates and speaks to everybody. It's like, I'm going to build it on a platform that already communicates and speaks with people. And I'm going to build my feature set around that. So it's like, it's less about build than interact. It's more like build on a platform that interacts and then add my taste. So like, I think that's like an interesting, and again, this is like, this is a utopian point of view of like, if everyone has the concept of like, we're going to band together and we're all going to use the Solana blockchain and we're all going to build this awesome interoperable thing that works with everybody. Like that is like the utopian view. And you're right. Like it's maybe it's a money grab and maybe at some point people are going to find a really interesting niche niche to, you know, like it'd be better for your bottom line to not have this interoperable system. And like, you know, an interoperability falls down when you talk about, you know, chain to chain, like I, for mine, I don't know this for a fact, but like, I don't think you can like own something on the Ethereum chain and then jump it over to the Solana chain. So it's like inherently those are two different platforms, so to speak already. So yeah, I think there's like a million arguments, but, um, yeah, the, the point you made about like competitive advantage and bottom line, obviously doesn't map to what's, what the user thinks is best for them. I mean, that's just like a very classic business problem, but um, it's, it's like this weird, this weird assumption that in web three, it's like, put the money aside and let's band together for the users. And it's like, it's like, ah, is it? like, that's what it is right now. Cause like all the projects are scrappy and all the, everything's new. And this is, but it's like in three years from now, like, where's that going to be? Like, who are going to be the main players? Like what are going to be the ways of money grab, so to speak? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be like a complete like uh, Freeman preacher right now <laughs> in economics, but like I think that there is something to say of like in some ways to an extent in like tech companies, what's good for the bottom line can also be good for the user. Like the the proprietary features of Google Docs is what makes it such a great collaboration platform. Like if they if they if you know if you build on a common platform that interfaces, which I'll, I'll give you that like uh, what what you will, what you call Web three <laughs> is you know <laughs> you're essentially building on top of a blockchain, right? And so you're building on top of this common interface, which makes it easy to identify things to individuals. It makes it easy to keep track of transactions. Also, typically makes it really hard to do a lot of transactions quickly, but that's besides the point. But it, it puts a, a stunt growth, a stunt innovation uh, on like the, the environment, on the landscape. And I don't want to sound like an old fart right now, but I'm going to compare it to like Soviet Russia, right? <laughs> because, because, and this isn't an exact parallel, so like, please no one like write at us like and take this completely literally, but like in Soviet Russia, the central government was the connecting thread between all industries. If you want, if the, if the car company wanted to make a change, they had to get it approved by the central committee that made sure it was the right decision for the country. And then that change was made. And so in a similar way, I feel if you're all built on this exact same underlying technology, you know, and of course it's not the exact same as that, but like if you want to make this big leap forward, you're, you need to do one of two things. Completely rework the underlying technology, which requires essentially everyone agreeing on this change or building an extension on top of it to do whatever specific thing you want to do. And I, and you know, why are you going to do that? Well, it likely will result in you getting a better bottom line, but it also improves your product for the customer. You know, it's a, that, that can often be a dual goal from a company. And that's really the same thing. Don't want to say everything's the same on web two and web three, but that's a really similar thing that happened on web two is that if you wanted to, you know, improve you know, Google Docs wanted to improve its collaboration features, it had to build an, ex, you know, things on top of normal HTTP requests that grabbed files uh, and displayed them. You know, the typical oldest web is just you HTTP request, they give you back an HTML file. But there's been things built on top of that that eventually became mainstream and then um, more technologies. And so where is I even rambling on with that? This is, I guess, I guess I... You know, I feel like that common thread, that's a positive thing that allows for good interoperability or easier interoperability between platforms on the same chain or on the same, you know, ecosystem. But at the same time, I feel like that can also be a limiter in, in, in the arbitrator on innovation um, because, you know, it's, very, it's much harder to just move and make changes to, to that underlying layer. And, and in some ways, Web2 has that same problem with its underlying infrastructure. So no one's going to make something that's not HTTP. No one's going to you know, make some brand new uh, transfer protocol that makes no sense that no one else is using. It would just be a disaster. So it'd be like, I think we'd run into a similar problem on Web3. I don't know if you have a rebuttal yeah. to that, but that's... that's yeah, that's it's interesting. You, you made one comment that I couldn't tell if it was like a... You made a comment about your like, there's two options. You either like start from the ground up and I'll agree that these are the principles or you build extensions off of that. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. So like either let's say that you have like the, this chain, it, it communicates in this way at this speed. Um, so in everyone's building things on top of that, if you as Google per se, want to introduce this new feature, this that requires some, some type of change to that communication protocol, you can either get everyone to agree to change that underlying platform um, or you can do some sort of extension that hacks around whatever you need to do to, to offer that feature to your customer. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. I don't know if that makes more sense. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's interesting. I guess I thought where I was getting at is like, I guess your explanation maybe made me rethink what I was going to say, but I was going to say like that, that I think is this euphoria that, that people have been biting into is like, it's this notion that and there's a certain set of principles that 
folks believe that Web2 is the only way to improve upon is to build new. And it's this idea of ownership. It's this idea of, yeah, underlying, you know, basic things that you can build on top of, but at the end of the day, it all roots down to the same thing. Like, like those, like there's this X number of principles that people decide the only way to do it is to build new, but you're right. It's like inevitably three years from now, there's going to be like, oh, there's this brand, there's a better way to, to do proof of state. Oh, there's a brighter way to execute smart contracts. Like, how are we going to improve the system? And granted, like Ethereum, I think is like a company. Like, I think like, like there's a founder and there's like a, there's developers on the Ethereum platform and they're like building ETH2 right now. And like, I don't know fully hundred percent, like how all that works, but like there is like, again, it's interesting. It's a juxtaposition, but like there is a central body that like works on developing and improving Ethereum and like um, ETH2 is supposed to launch like sometime soon and there's layer two. And I, I don't, I don't even have that number, number of detail, but I guess the, the second part you were saying about, oh, I had a, had a thought about the second part you were saying about, yeah, Google wanted to have the extension. I don't remember. I don't remember what I was going to say about, about that second part, but I don't know how much time we have, but the second thing I wanted to chat about, even if it's briefly, so we talked a little bit about interoperability. That's interesting. I think the second key interest is proof of stake, proof of ownership. We've talked about this a little bit on the NFT podcast a long time ago, but it's like, I think that's another interesting concept that I don't know if you can necessarily capture in web two in the sense that I think when it comes to proof of ownership, this is when you start to there's like, there's, there's two, I guess, like roads, there's like the physical road and the digital road, the digital road's interesting. Cause obviously like we talked about on that episode, if I can recall, it's like, you know, finally the notion of, you know, digital artists to be able to sell digital goods and get and, and own it or, and get paid for it finally. And then for one individual to own it, it's like this entire premise, like, sure. There's also a concept of physical where it's like, you know, very understandably, you know, when you buy a house, you have a deed, that deed is locked into your bank's lockbox somewhere. And there's this middleman recurring theme. There's a middleman of, I got to keep my deed. I got to keep my social security card. I got to keep my birth certificate. I got to keep whatever in this lockbox, in this bank, in this random town. And if I'm in Seattle and my employer says, yo, give me your birth certificate tomorrow. Like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get that. Right. Like, I don't not I don't know if my social security card's ever gonna live on the blockchain, but like point is is like you can the, I think the interesting the, the interesting part about having a decentralized proof, a decentralized ledger, a decentralized public ledger to say this thing, and you can't see the thing, but this thing is like my thing. And regardless of if I'm on, you know, there's a there's the video game example we've been using. 2k or ea you can have the proof or something even more serious about yeah just like being able to go from to be able to prove that i own this house to be able to prove that this chanel bag that i own is actually mine and i got it from a verified vendor and i can actually see that that person purchased that from directly the authority who is the you know chanel facilitator right every like again these are just examples but i think that's like a set like to me that's also seems like a very perpetual idea is like this idea is that for the first time ever Digital has been a free for all, and somehow, and we, I know we talked about this. Somehow, the digi- the music industry figured it out. Somehow, the music industry went from, you know, CDs to the hell hellscape that was Netscape, not Netscape. Um, what am I trying to think of? Napster, Napster, right? And somehow they were able to reel it back in and, and win. But it's like the same thing. It's like everything from things that proof the proof of certificate, the proof of realism, the proof of ownership, still in the twenty first century century very physical, everything from something as serious as your social security card, something as, you know, facetious as my Louis Vuitton bag. Like, how do I know it's certified? Like, I think that that's also like a very interesting idea is like for the first time ever, there's like a source of truth that isn't reliant on the bank having my birth certificate. Curious what you think about that. Yeah. So this is somewhere where I'm actually going to, to an extent, at least like agree. I think that Proof of ownership, proof of stake, um, like verifying ownership is something that like blockchains do far better than traditional methods, um, both digital and physical. And so like, I think I agree that like 
going into the future, we're going to see a lot more use of blockchains to disrupt traditional industries. I think we've talked about before, like the um, like home ownership, like title, whole like title business is like completely unnecessary yep. in a lot of ways. Um, like disrupting industries like that, taking over things like passports um, and, you know, social security cards, birth certificates, things like that will be offered in addition to the physical proof, um, also a digital proof that will most likely live on some sort of blockchain. Um, so I completely agree with that. I think that the blockchains make that much simpler. Where I where I would, of course, again, diverge is saying, like, I don't think that's like Web3. I think that that's just using another tool at our disposal in the same way that like cloud is another tool to build um, a better system for digital proof of stake in a blockchain is like a, a piece of that puzzle. Um, and yeah, I guess like, you know, I like to re reiterate when we wrap all around, you know, I'm not a genius or anything on like web two, web three. I don't really like the idea of using web two or web three or web one at all. Like I, I feel like the, like the internet is the internet and it's always changing. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, like if you, yeah, send feedback if you if you want to correct me on what I what I said incorrectly. But like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's my viewpoint on proof of stake. Though, is I, I think it's like blockchain is going to be super valuable with that. But I see it as an as again in addition to the current state of the internet, not like not a whole revolution, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I don't know if we're getting at time or not. But to wrap this up, maybe a little bit is like I think we're at such like an interesting time as far as. Like us being early in our careers, early in life, early in tech, it's like, I'm curious, like for folks who like are 40, 50, 60, who have seen waves of technology come and go. I mean, like, you know, I'm sure that the idea of a pager at the time was revolutionary and like, it was the next big thing. And obviously pagers didn't work, but like this notion about you know, having a handheld device in which you can connect with people like that proliferated, like that, that, you know, struck through. And like, there's so many waves of technology about, again, like this idea of, a, you know, a locate this search engine that has all this thing of, you know, all the central location of information, like Yahoo was probably going to be, you know, this next big thing. Obviously it's, it's nothing, you know, this idea of instant messaging and chat, like AOL was about to take off and skyrocket, but like that didn't work. But like this idea of like being able to message anyone around the world on, you know, similar protocols like that, that struck through. So it's like, I think what's really interesting is like for the first time I feel and like my being at an age, like I understand it now, like all that happened when I was like seven, you know, is like, we have an interesting lens of we're just seeing all these random projects and all these random companies all these random you know efforts to like say okay like you said the earlier the podcast like we're still trying to figure out what is the purpose and i think by trying to figure out what is the purpose like you know we're saying okay uh nfts digital art go and like you know who knows like i'm sure in three years any of the top x number of nft projects are probably going to be super devalued and whatever but it's like again like the, the underlying thought of, of proof of ownership with non-fungible tokens like that'll that'll ride through so it's like I think it's super interesting because a lot of, for every good use case, there's an obvious bad use case. Or for every good company, good instance, good project, there is a bad company and a bad instance and a bad project and a bad example. So it's like, I'll be curious to see like in a year or two, like what are the concepts that, that you know, like strike through, like, like we talked about interoperability, proof of ownership. Like I'm curious that list is, that was only two of them. I'm sure that's a much longer list and I, I'm hopefully going to learn more, but it's like, I'm TLDR. I'm excited to see what concepts emerge and maybe it's not a new platform. Maybe it's just, these are improvements to our current platform. Who knows? But it's like, I think just like we're like, we're flailing by, by learning. Like everyone has a bias for action right now. And like maybe half the things are going to fail. 90% of the things are probably going to fail just like how 90% of the companies fail, but it'll be the concepts that I think I'll be interested to see if they stick around. So I don't know if you have any final, final remarks on, on this episode. I feel like it was a pretty, pretty ranty episode. I feel like I brain dumped a lot. I, it wasn't really super thought through, but I thought it was fun. I'm just curious what, what if you have any final comments 
I, I completely agree with your, your final thoughts of like, this is, yeah, we're flailing as like an industry to try to figure out where to go next, I think. Like the technology industry is super uncomfortable with stasis. Um, and people feel like we are in a state of stasis um, as the smartphone mm-hmm. revolution has kind of become the norma- normalcy. Uh, and so in in our flailing, I think we're there's a lot of marketing people coming up with silly terms to describe where we're going to go next. And I completely agree that what's going to come out of it, you didn't say this directly, I believe what's going to come out of it is going to be new concepts that are going to help improve the current platform. That being said, in two years, we can revisit this. You know, we've already made it almost one year, two, two or three more years, we can revisit this and see, you know, whether what's what's web five that's going to be the big question um 2025 um mark my words web five will be will be all the all the rage (laughs) (laughs) and we'll be we'll do this we'll do a vr podcast for all of our all of our listeners uh, (laughs) that's right we'll host a live podcast in the metaverse perhaps yes (laughs) but uh but no i think i i really enjoyed the conversation like i i feel like yes i ranted primarily just like tried to dismantle the idea of web three um, obviously I'm biased against it. I completely realize that bias exists. Um, uh, that is partially because the media I consume is not, um, mm. crypto Twitter at all. <laughs> uh, a lot of my like podcasts of like 40 year old software engineers, um, who are much less, uh, more skeptical of this sort of thing. So like, obviously we're all molded by our experiences. And so will us, one of us, uh, we'll get to be more correct and hang that over the other one's head. So I'm excited <laughs> to see, excited to see uh, where that goes. <laughs> Can't wait. Well, as always, thank you, sir. And before we close out, we uh, we have a regularly scheduled. Finally, I mean, it's been finally regularly scheduled for a while now. Um, it was, it I think was it's a little more regularly irregular, scheduled but... than the podcast as a whole. So <laughs> that's it, you're not wrong. But the 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 regularly scheduled session is that. I think of a time frame, I think of a location, I think of a concept in history, and Jared just pulls it off his big brain because he somehow just like consumes encyclopedias in his free time. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm i trying to think of a, of, a, of a good concept, of a good time frame. I'm looking around my room to see if anything inspires me. We talked about iPhone a little bit ago. Um, 20, 20, you know, 15 years ago, it's this year's 15th anniversary. It's not very long ago in history. Um, let me think of something. But that's we talked about technological revolution in the iPhone, right? And we talk, we're talking about new tech in Web3. Like, maybe tell me of an interesting um, technological revolution, that story that, that you know of, like something long ago about, like, I don't know, like when they developed the wheels, like, holy shit. Like, was there any, like, you know, <laughs> any interesting uh, stories around... I don't know, some revolutions or some things that spark some major innovation for years to come? So I I just recently finished a book. The first book that I found, uh, so I'd like to plug it, which is a good overview of the early Soviet space program, um, mm-hmm. which is one of my, I really enjoy um, the Soviet space program. It's very interesting, but there's very few English books that provide a, a good look into it. Um so I recently finished a book called Beyond, um, which I will have the author in a few seconds. Uh, but it's a book that overviews like the start of the Soviet space program to like the first man in space, uh, which of course was Yuri Gagarin, of, as we all know, um, in 1961. Of uh, course, of course. Luke, Luke, Luke just like was trying. He was he was about to say it this whole time. He was he <laughs> was on tip my tongue. Yeah, he just hard, he he couldn't hold it back hardly, um, but yeah, Beyond by Stephen Walker. Uh, shit, I just started it. Um, but great book, very interesting. Um, if you have interest in uh, space programs, there's a lot of good ones on the United States program, but that's a good one for the Soviet space program. Anyway, uh, the technological revolution of like space travel has like such wide range implications. This was actually my backup topic for, for today oh. if you didn't have one. But like <laughs> there's such wide ranging implications uh, to like trap like going to space because 
like you might not be aware, but like the United States, for example, put like three to five, or maybe it was up to like 10%, don't quote the numbers, I'll put them in the show notes, like up to like 10% of its total GDP into NASA in like the space program in the, during the, like the Cold War to like develop the, the Apollo program and go to the moon. And like out of that came so much technological development, like things like the transistor, like modern computer memory, you know, uh, memory foam, like uh, humidifiers, dehumidifiers, like all this technology was like developed from scratch for space travel or like greatly improved for space travel. And so like, just like that. And I start, you know, with the Soviet space program, um, you know, they developed far better rockets in the United States in the beginning. And because they had better rockets, they didn't have to miniaturize their technology. And so like Soviet computers were much less advanced than the United States computers because the United States flight computers had to weigh like one pound. And so we had to completely like reinvent like guidance computers and electronics to be small enough to fit onto our like rockets to go to space or also to drop nukes. Uh, But (laughs) so like, it's just like this. I just find it really interesting. Like the the technology, the technological revolution that spurred from the space industry in the like the the late fifties through the seventies is just like mind boggling. I'd like encourage anyone to go like take time to like look into that because it's super interesting. And like almost every like piece of technology you interact with on a, on a daily basis was like probably has its roots back to like NASA and like or like the European or Russian space programs, uh, just because of how, how much technology they really introduce. So that's, that's, yeah. that's the technological revolution. That's interesting. Maybe this is a concept for another, uh, podcast, but it's like, it's interesting how at the end of the day, the government is actually a really, it's like a lead motivator or like a, a big part in innovation. It's like, we maybe we say like oh it's the free market no it's against the system and oh it's venture capital and oh it's um whatever but it's like you could probably trace back a lot of high level concepts like everything you just talked about like you know the idea of the internet in the first place like all those things like somehow probably trace back to something funded by the government like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how you know it's maybe and maybe that's why the u.s is where it is today is because they you know put that much firepower behind things like the space race. I, that's fascinating. 10% of GDP or whatever the number ends up being like, holy shit. <laughs> Even if it's like, it, it, I know it was at least like three, but like, I, like that's huge. Like if that was today, that would be, you know, many hundreds of billions of dollars every yeah. year. Yeah. Which is, and again, it's like, yeah. And you know, a little bit on the, like the show topic, it's like the highest order you could say is like, all, like all that money for space. And then like crypto, you might say all that money so you can sell pictures of monkeys online. Like, Mm -hmm. but it's like when you drill down six or seven orders deeper, it's like, oh, like these are the actual concepts. Like these are the things that like proliferated through time. um, And that just changed the way we live. So super interesting. Love the fact. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to have to be a podcast episode when you talk about like government spurring innovation, because uh I have thoughts. I have thoughts on that. I'll just say that much. I have probably an hour's worth of thoughts on that topic. <laughs> well, we might have a, a semi-prompted podcast coming your way. Listeners. Yes, yes, semi-prompted. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think uh, other than that, that probably wraps this up. Uh, happy New Year, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy go back to work if you took a break around the holidays. You know, <laughs> we both did. The best part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, we are... You know, we were probably going to be more on schedule. That's our New Year's resolution. And I know we've said that. Is that our regular schedule program right there? (laughs) But for real this time, I mean, I'm not traveling back to Nebraska for a while. My my schedule's a little bit more stable. Like, I, like... I think it's maybe the same for you. Like, I think I think it could actually happen this time. I really, you know I really gonna, think. You know what I'm going to do, Luke? On air, you know, as a promise to the listeners, I am going to share a Google event series with you. Oh, Every this, Tuesday it's real. night at 10 p.m. Central, we will record. 
Uh, wow. How do I We're changed this? people. Season two has changed us. We're using Google Calendar. We're like sophomores in college all over again. We found <laughs> out it's necessary. Okay. We'll come in your way in two weeks from now. Live recorded at 10 p.m. Central, hitting your podcast oh, feeds sometime later. Series. So weekly, one week from now, hitting your podcast. Or two weeks. Listeners. Don't don't quote anything we say. <laughs> Could be four weeks. Could be a month. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. But it's as a always, a blast. Great. Yeah, totally agree. It's always good to just brain dump and go from there. It's the best part of these shows. Yeah, well, and let us, if you guys have feedback, attempt to find our website if it's currently running uh, and drop some <laughs> feedback or uh, tweet at us um, with all of your thoughts and concerns and we'll get back to you promptly. That's all we can say. Very so, prompt, Just as promptly as uh, we record these podcast sessions. Yes, exceptionally promptly. Anyhow, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Cool, see ya.